0: On course. Well,
1: we're not healed. We can't show ourselves to the priest if we're not healed. Suppose he's doing something we don't know about. They look at him. He standing there, he's waiting on them. They, they say, What do you think we should do? I don't know, man. I don't, I man, I've been hurt so much. I don't know, man. They look at him. He looking at them. One guy probably goes, He looked honest, though. And we heard good things about him. What do we have to lose? They probably came back, they looked at him. He looked at them. And one turns to walk and the others follow watch this that's the, what do you think caused them to go show themselves to the, to the priest knowing Leviticus 14 2 & 3 says you don't show yourself to the priest till you're healed somewhere in that discussion they began to see themselves come on here I'm not playing with words. You think he, someone that's visiting forever saying, man, he, man, he, 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 he oh, putting stuff out of context. I'm not. I'm going to show you one more scripture, then we'll send you home to contemplate what we talked about. In Hebrews chapter 12, I, I open today with Hebrews chapter 10. In verse 36, it says basically. Pass not away therefore your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you've done the will of God, you'll inherit the promises. King James Version. Then he went on and says, but we are not of those who draw back unto perdition. But we are those who continue to the saving of the soul. And then right after that, he said, now faith is the substance of things, hoped so for." And he goes on a whole discussion, and he begins to present all this evidence of people who stood against stuff. That was supposed to take him out, but didn't. He started talking about, about Abel even died and his blood spoke on his behalf. He talked about Sarah who, who, who counted God faithful and gave birth. He talked about Abraham whose, whose, whose body was dead. But for one night God gave him a resurrection and he had a child. He went through all and he said and time would fail me to talk about David and Barak and all these people who slayed giants. And he started talking about all these things that people did because they didn't look at what was but they looked at what God had promised. Then he gets to chapter 12 and verse 1, and here's what he says to them. Chapter 12, verse 1. He, he's talking about verse 1. Go to verse 1. When he, he, he begins to talk to them about what he just discussed. Give me New Living Translation. Here's what he said <laughs> no, give, give me King James. I just caught something. Wherefore, seeing? He showed them nothing, he just talked to them. He said, "Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about, surrounded with so great a crowd of witnesses," he said, "Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with what?" He said, "With steady, continuous." He said, "Make with a a set face. You make up your mind. God, this is hard, but I'm going through it, and it's not going to end the way it is now." Watch this. Look look now. Look at verse, verse two. Give me New Living Translation. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Amen. I study the Bible from a very practical place. I'm not deep when I study the Bible. I wasn't raised in church, so I'm not deep. When I studied the Bible, the first question was: how can I keep my eyes on someone I can't see? That's a, that's a question because I think I come to you playing games. I want to know. I'm from the street, I don't know about this. How do I keep my eyes on? He says, you do this by keeping your eyes on Jesus. And he, he, and he goes on as if you know what it means. So I'm going to keep reading and we'll come back to it. He says, the champion who initiates and perfects your faith. You know what that means? He's the one that initiates your trust in God. And he's the one that perfects your trust in God as you keep going. Well, if you keep your eye on Jesus, every time you get to a hard place, he brings your trust in God up so you're able to handle it. And every time it gets harder, your trust gets stronger. He's the one. When, you, when I keep my eyes on Him, when I keep listen, not on church folk, not on pastor, not on the saints, not not on no. I keep my eyes on not on my money. I keep my eyes on Jesus. I keep watching Him. I keep. And when I get it gets hard, I go to Him and say, Jesus, you promise me you bring me through this. And I listen. And I'm holding you to your word. I keep my eyes on Him. And the Bible says. The Bible says, he initiates my faith and he he perfects it. Watch this now. And it says, because of the joy awaiting, he begins to tell you what you need to be looking at with Jesus. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. He disregarded the shame. Now, he's seated in the place of honor. Beside God's throne. So I want to give you these points when we're done. Greg, I need some piano, because if I don't start closing, I won't end. There are four things I want to talk to you about in this, just four real quick closing points. And I named this part of the lesson preparing to walk through a challenging situation. I ain't come for that You know what? <laughs> How many of you right now are saying, Oh God, I needed to hear this today? Put your hand up. <laughs> you know why? Because all of us go through things we didn't plan for. And it's not just the ones that's talking loud in church. Sometimes it's the ones that's sitting back just listening. Because they've come to the place with God. But either this thing is real or it's not. And the Lord is saying to you today. I'm not obligated to show you who I am until you trust me. I'm not obligated to cause a situation to turn until you trust me. I know you've been through hell and I know it still happened to you. But I can't do anything for you until you trust me, because the places I have to take you, sometimes there are no roads, and there are no bridges, and so you can't be looking at your circumstances and making decisions based on what you think or what you see, you have to be looking, your eyes got to be on me, it has to be like Peter walking on the water. As long as he looks at Jesus, he walks, he does the impossible. The minute he begins to measure and negotiate wind blowing, is it easier to walk on water when the wind is blowing or when the wind is not blowing? Listen to the stupid question. Is it easier to walk on water when the wind is blowing or when the wind is not blowing? No, it's impossible to walk on water. But if I keep my eyes on him, I will walk on stuff that folk are drowning in and I sleep in places where folk get eaten. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates our faith because of the joy awaiting him. Number one. So I want you to look at this. My first point in my closing is keep your eyes on Jesus. Everybody say keep your eyes on Jesus. That's the first point. You got that, don't you? Number two, endure the cross. Let me define the cross for you. It is the painful, unfair, humiliating persecution that's done to you by ignorant folks. In some places, the cross represents your life's assignment. And sometimes the two can be uh, one and the same. But in this scenario, the people that put Jesus on the cross, they hurt him. They were unfair to him. They humiliated him. But they were ignorant of what they're doing so much so that he said, Father, forgive them. They're doing this because they don't even know what they're doing. But you have to understand that God is the one that chose the route to bring about your transformation. So number two. Do it across number three, the Bible says despise the shame. I thought it was an interesting statement, despising the shame in the King James. It says disregarding the shame. But you know, in the Greek, the word kathafroneo, kathafroneo is, is a compound Greek word, it's an interesting word. Phroneo is always the mind. Everybody said the mind. The, it's the mind as, as a thinking organ, but, but kata means across or against. In this case, it means against to think against the shame. To think everybody said that. Say think against the shame. Say it one more time. Say think against the shame. What does it mean? Here's what it means to think against the shame. Is when you think of what shame is, guilt is the residue that remains on my heart from knowing I did something wrong. Shame is what I think they think of me because of what I did wrong. So shame really is not real unless it becomes you make it real to you. Think about it all guilt all shame rather comes from guilt when the guilt leaves there's no more shame so instead of being oh that's a bad example that's a bad example but father give us grace to receive this so instead of instead of in the 70s where where, where people were closeted for sexual preference now now they're walking down the street with flags because the guilt left when there's no guilt there's no shame that's a bad example to use But it's a real example Isn't it? Yes, Here's the thing When you get to the place Where you realize That God Has orchestrated The situation He's orchestrated The road you're on And people People will be looking at you And they They, they, they screenshot and junk Junking and, Pastor Do you see this? Right. Man don't even Listen to them Do not Allow them to matter Do not Allow them to matter. You got to get to the no, listen, listen to what I'm telling you. You can begin, go out here. You know they, they over here saying this about you. You know this someone called me and said, hey, Pastor, someone says so and so about you. This was last night. First thing this morning I got another call Man, I'm riding Atlanta, they're killing your song, man. Your song listen to this. On the one hand they talking about you, the other, on the other hand they play your song in Atlanta. Four million, sixty five thousand. On the one hand, 4 million people just heard your song. On the other hand, 65,000 people may be talking about you. And you know the truth of the matter is only 37% of Dalton is black. Of that 37%, probably only 50% percent even know me. And of that, probably 1% cares about the junk they're talking about. Well, when God... So when God, so when God is doing something, I cannot maximize, I got to minimize that and maximize that other thing. Let me show you this. So, despise the shame. Think against it. Think lightly of it. Pay no attention to it. And I love this definition the most. Don't make it more than it is. You don't know what it about me. So what? People have said worse things about you that you never found out about. Shoot a critical situation. You said worse things about yourself. Let it go. And the last thing, expect the promotion. Let God do it. Let him seat you where he wants you. In the place prepared for you before you even accepted the challenge to go through this. Because I'm going to tell you this right now. Here's how it works. The way it works is like this. You're going to end up somewhere. Why not let it be the place that God has called you to? Does this help you today? Now I'm going to say this And this is for some of you You've been for a long time Toying with the idea That God is drawing you closer For a closer relationship But you've given yourself A million reasons Why you can't respond to it You keep looking at your life And I'm not good enough Let me tell you something right now It comes to a point in your life Where you have to realize That your days Are numbered We have a shelf life you're going to expire. You say, well, I just, if I don't think about it, no, no, no. Whether you think about standing before God or not, you're going to have to. You don't have to think, think about it for it to be real. What the Lord is saying to you today is, what you, you're going to go through these things in life. And he says this, let me go through with you. Let me take you through this. Let, let me shape your life. Let me give you the purpose for which you were born. Trust me to do it for you. You you you, you hang with people. Everybody think they know what they do, and the truth is, no nobody know what they do. Without the Lord.
0: Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Heart Ramsey. Let's roll. Have you subscribed to Heart Ramsey's Uplift? It's his national text message service, where daily you get to hear from the heart of God through the man of God, Heart Ramsey. To subscribe, simply text the word Uplift to the number 46786. Once again, text the word UPLIFT to the number 46786. And daily, you'll receive a text message designed to uplift your spirit, encourage your heart, and empower your walk. (laughs) Subscribe today to Heart Ramsey's Uplift. Amen. Pick up the new release from Stellar Award nominees Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir titled True Story featuring the lead single It Is So It Is So It Is So It Is So Come on all over the place it up It
1: Is So
0: Pick up the chart-topping release from Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir titled True Story in stores now and available at all digital outlets Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. I'll put up there for me, um, John chapter 8,
1: John chapter 8 and verse 30. You can turn me down just a little. John chapter 8 and verse 30. Um, I've I've done um, significant study on on this topic that we're dealing with. And and those of you who are keeping up with our W words, we're dealing with the walk part of our W. And God has promised to double us in at least one or four ways. Okay? So it's, it's inwardly, outwardly, upwardly, and forwardly. Uh, inwardly is, ma- is maturity. Upwardly is my relationship or spiritual relationship with God. Outwardly is relationship with people. And forwardly deals with my progress, my personal progress. Okay? Inwardly, is ma- God is maturing me. You've been through something this year that matured you. Yes. At least it's in the process of getting, it's growing you up, isn't it? Yes. Seeing life differently. One of, the, one of the first signs of maturation is you start seeing things differently. When you mature, you start seeing differently, your perspective changes. Um, Spiritual relationship connecting with God, it doesn't mean you say, Well, Pastor, I can't feel myself growing. Let me tell you how that works. You grow in the Spirit when, when you start seeing the fruit of the Spirit in your life as a regular and not just as a visitation. In other words, you're more patient. You find yourself to be more loving, and and love manifests as understanding. It can manifest as 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 acceptance, as different things. You find yourself more peaceful. Uh, um, when things are, are, are going haywire, you find you find you can maintain your joy. That's 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 called um growth, spiritual growth. Okay, it, as far as your relationship is uh, uh, are concerned, you find yourself um um not not chasing relationship like you used to. You kind of accept certain things. Some relationships are meant to die. Jesus' name. And some are meant to be restored and revived. You got to be wise enough to tell the difference. You've developed a relationship with the word no. That's how you know you're growing in relationship. you could say no and be cool. See, the people who love you, they can handle your No. If I got to keep telling you yes for us to have a relationship, that means we don't have a relationship. What we have is an arrangement. It's not win-win at all. One of us is winning the other one is losing. I got some folk, I slap cut them off. I only hear from them when they want something. And I just decided I'm not going to do that anymore. You say, well, Pastor, I just don't think that's love. No, 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 no. You don't think it's love. For me, it's growth. The Lord doubled me in that area. You got it? And we have to... As far as progress is concerned, we're going to make progress. Now I want to show you this. This is the end. Give you the, the, um, the, I already gave you the, the background on this. This is, this is the tail end of the story of the woman taking the adultery that was brought into the temple. But I want to fast forward. Um, what, what, the beautiful thing about the story is that right after this happens, and I ask you the question, what do you preach after this episode where you're teaching a lesson in church and then they bring a lady half naked into the church, throw her in the midst, and ask you, what do we do with her, stone her or free her? And after the whole thing is done, uh, Jesus, of course, dis, uh, dispels or dispenses with the Pharisees. And the woman is left alone. He said, where are that that, your accusers? She said, they're gone. He says, well, I don't condemn you either. Go your way. So she walks out. No doubt she probably sat in the back. I don't think she left. I wouldn't have left out of stay for the message. But what do you preach? What do you preach after something like that happens? The first thing Jesus said to them is, he said, I'm the light of the world. It blesses me how after all that drama, and, and, and you know, it's amazing. I've got to add a sidebar. I was reading someone's bio the other day, and they said they, they, they're going to school for drama. I'm like, in these times you go to school for drama, you don't have to go to school for drama. You just look at Folk Live, look at, look at reality TV. Okay, I, I digress. But, but, um, but what Jesus does, he starts pointing, him, he starts pointing to himself. And what he was saying to the people is, not that that has happened, everybody look at me. And, and he goes on preaching, and the Bible says that many who heard him, give, give me King James, because I want to get the, the Elizabethan in this. He says, the Bible says, as he spake these words, many did what? They believed on him, verse 31 says, then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue, if you do what? If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed? Verse thirty-two. Read it out loud. What do you say? And you shall, and the. So what I want to do tonight is, is, is uh, um, I've taught this lesson, those three verses, for so many years that I forget that I'm teaching new people. So I want to, I want to revisit some of this teaching to help you understand some of what we're reading, and, and this is really, really serious stuff the word continue is, is a simple word every, every time we hear, we hear the word continue in scripture i'm going to give you seven things actually i added another one it's eight things that you that the bible encourages us to continue in but, but i want you to understand before we go further that if, if the lord tells us to continue in something it is because he knows that things will happen in life that will cause you to want to give up and stop and just not do it anymore now, don't tell me that you've never been in a situation where life disappointed you, your expectation was so disappointed that you didn't feel like reading the word. Don't tell me that you've been in a situation where you did not want to come to church anymore. So you know what it is to want to give up on something, right? So whenever, whenever you see scripture where the Bible tells you to continue, is because God knows that in situations like, just like this one, we have a, we have a, a propensity to stop, to give up. To try something else that's more uh, effective in our eyes. Put on the screen for me Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter, I want to show you this. And, and you've seen the scripture before, but I want to show it to you. Now wh- watch the text. It says, a severe famine now struck the land. As had happened before in Abraham's time. So Isaac did what? the what, one word, he did what? Okay, so... Everybody look at me, I want to show you this. The Bible says a famine struck the land and Isaac's response was to move. So now, now God is not the author of famine. The enemy is. So the enemy figured out something. Now he has his eye on Isaac because that's Abraham's boy. And the the enemy saw that God made a covenant with Abraham. So when Abraham dies, Isaac is on the scene. He's He's the carrier of the promise. The enemy has all his troops stationed watching Isaac. So what Isaac was, wherever Isaac was living, he tried to stir something up. So he stirred up a famine, and he realized that when he stirred up the famine, famine, Isaac moved. Hmm. So if I stir up a famine and I can get him to move, maybe if I keep stirring up famines, he'll keep on doing what? Moving. So the Bible says, so Isaac, Isaac moved to Gerar, where Abimelech, king of the Philistines, lived. Verse two. Watch this. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said unto him, Do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you to do. Verse three live here. What did he tell him? Yeah. The King James says, sojourn in this land. Stay here. Don't move. Because what God knows is, God, know, God is watching just like the enemy is watching, and God realizes if he keeps on moving because something goes wrong, all the enemy has to do is cause something to go wrong, and he'll keep on moving. you'll be surprised over the last 20 years I've been passing this church for 20 years and you'll be surprised how many people came to this church and said pastor I've never heard the word like this. this is the word that's helping my life and then something happened on their job and they moved to another city and then they will write me back and go I haven't found a church in the last 10 years I haven't gotten any word like I got at NCC and you know the crazy part it wasn't like they moved to like a city like Atlanta or, or somewhere else because they had this super super job when you did the math the increase that they got factored in with the cost of living, they were making the same money. Somebody just heard the Lord. Get your stuff and go home. You just heard the Lord. Because you were just about to do that foolishness. It's foolish. Now watch this. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so this, I wanted you to see this because whenever the Bible says to continue, Jesus told them, go back to John eight, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Now we I'm going to break all that down tonight, but I want to I show you something that's very important in the Lord. Victory often comes by continuing when everything in the natural tells you to stop. Victory, oh, victory comes by continuing when the natural thing to do, the normal thing to do, is to stop, to give up, to quit. Okay, now um, I I send you back to John eight. I I was kind of rash. Go to Galatians six and verse nine. I want to point out something to you, and we're going to take a couple scriptures to explain this. Galatians six and verse nine. It says, "So let us not get tired in well doing." Give me King James. I want to show them the King James. It says. Let us not be weary in well doing, for in due season ye shall what? We shall reap if we what? Now, everybody read out loud, read the scripture together. Ready? Read. And let us not be weary in, uh huh, for in due season. There are three parts of this verse that we need to understand. The first part is the, the three powerful statements. Here's the first powerful statement Doing the right thing can wear you out. Doing things the right way can wear you out. So, the, so the, the, the directive of scripture is don't become weary in well doing. In well-doing. Well, if I, if I, if I get weary in well doing, what do I do? I start doing other stuff. Start taking shortcuts. You got it? So, he said, don't be weary in well doing. And here's the incentive. He said, because he says, you're going to reap in due season. Everybody say, due season. Now, I want to read, read a scripture to you from Leviticus chapter 3, I'm, I'm sorry, 26, verses 3 to 10. I want to show you about due season. Everybody say due season. Come on, out loud, say due season. Yeah, I'm going to make you preach tonight because I got a mic in my hand. I'll make you talk back to me. <laughs> okay, so give me King James's, well, should we read this in King James? Yeah, let's do King James. This is under the law. And under the law, God is explaining to them um, how to to receive from him. Okay? The only thing that's changed about this is this conditional uh, promise that is given came to us through Christ. And it's it's too deep. I don't want to get into the theological teaching of this. But I want to show you, I want to emphasize the due season point. I want to show you something. He said, if you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, verse 4, then I will give you rain when... I, come on, I give you rain when? Notice now God says, God says, you could, you could be doing the things I want you to do. You, could do. you could do it for years. He said, but the rain will only come when it's supposed to. That's what due season is. It means the right time. The right time. I will give you rain in due season, and the land shall yield her increase when? In due season. And the trees of the field shall, shall yield their fruit when? In due season. Look at verse 5. And your threshing force shall reach unto the vintage when? And the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time, when? And you shall eat your bread to the full, when? And you will dwell in the land safely in due season. Now, give go back now and give me New Living Translation, because it reads a little differently, but I want to see it in New Living Translation. Go to verse 4. He says, I will send this you the seasonal rains. The land will then yield its crops. And the tree of the field will produce their fruit, verse 5. Your threshing season will, be, will overlap with the grape harvest, and the grape harvest will overlap with the season of planting grain. You will eat your field and live securely in your own land. Here's what he says to them. He says, if you keep doing the right thing, you're going to trigger a, a, a season of harvest that really never ends. But the thing is, watch this now, you have to keep doing the right thing until you build up enough force to push it to that. You see what I'm saying? Now, this is important. Okay, so so go down to verse 6. Uh, uh, he said, I'll give you peace in the land. You will be able to sleep with no cause for fear. I will rid the land of wild animals. Keep your enemies out of your land, verse 7. In fact, you will chase down your enemies and slaughter them with your swords, verse 8. Five of you will chase a thousand, a hundred, uh, a hundred of you will chase ten thousand. All your enemies will fall beneath your sword, verse 9. I will look favorably upon you, making fertile, fertile and mul- multiplying your people, and I will fulfill my covenant with you now. Go back to that. Give me King James. I want to show you this. And this is what I want to show you. And this is deep, but I want to leave it with you for a minute. God says, I will have respect unto you and make you fruitful. And I will multiply you and establish my covenant with you. Everyone say my covenant. Now, this, let me tell you why, why I want to read this part of it. Because when it starts off in verse 3 saying, if you do this and if you do that, then I will. That's Old Testament covenant.
0: We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching courtesy of On Course with Hart Ramsey. We invite you to join the NCC family for our weekly services in Dothan and Montgomery, Alabama, and Atlanta, Georgia. For service times and locations, visit our website, nccfamily.org. Again, nccfamily.org. We invite you to follow Pastor Hart Ramsey on social media, on Twitter, at Heart Ramsey on Facebook at Heart Ramsey Media and on Instagram at Pastor Heart Ramsey. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to dive into God's word as we get on course with Heart Ramsey.